Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. And we have made it to episode three of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick. And Jesse, it feels like we finally started camp today. I know that we've technically been here for, what, six days? But the first day of pads, and there's a, there's a little energy in the building, a little life out on that practice field this morning, huh? There is. No more of this, like, flag football stuff. We got real pads on. They were popping a bit. You can see you guys get a little feisty. They're trying to keep guys off the ground, but a couple dudes ended up going down. I saw Max was getting into it as well a little bit with some of the threes. He had a couple of them down on the ground. So he was feeling, you know, he was ready to roll. I know, and it's one of those things, too, where as exciting as it is to be back here, just in general, right? We've talked about this the first couple of shows, where it's nice to just be here physically and watch football it does feel like things have like officially kicked off. Where It kind of feels like we were watching the trailers for the movie, and it's like, we're well, all right, great, I'll see this in six months. But now the feature film has started. It's a very long feature film because now we got, what, another four or five weeks or whatever it is until week one. But all the same, we're here, there's a lot to discuss, and we're going to do that with Nick Kwiatkowski, our interview this week in just a little bit. But before we get into Nick and talking about his two picks, by the way. Yeah, he's feeling correct it. correct me if I'm wrong, only two interceptions we've seen of camp thus far belong to Mr. Kwiatkowski. Yeah, right? no, I believe so, because I was thinking about it yesterday when he got the first one, and I, I haven't seen any other picks. So, you know, whoever had Nick Kwiatkowski is the, the pick machine. You guys are the winners. The absolute pick machine. I mean, it's crazy, too, because, you know, I know we're going a little straight, but he looked good on both of them, very smooth on bro- good breaks on the ball both mm-hmm. times. Like he, like those were not cheap interceptions. Yeah, and I, honestly, look, I think, and we'll dive into more with him later when we talk to him. But I think a lot of people don't realize like how solid Nick Kwiatkowski is a linebacker. Like I was on Twitter yesterday and saw Pro Football Focus actually ranked him as the 18th best linebacker in the NFL. So like he's a dude that people got to recognize. Like he's got some skills. Absolutely, and and I think I think what's hard about last year, and you and I have just talked about this a little bit, but it feels like some of the individual accolades from this defense kind of got lost in the shuffle last year 100%. for obvious reasons, right? I mean, you look at the defense as a collective, got to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. But individually, I think there were the guys that had really nice seasons. Nick Morrow, number one, yeah, very quietly, very under the radar, really nice twenty twenty. Nick Wikowski, St. Both Nicks, I suppose. Yeah. I thought Max had another good season. You know, Klee kind of improved. And so you you lose that, right? Because, look, if you have the, what was it, 28th-ranked defense, yeah. you don't really want to hear about how great your linebacking core is. And I get that. But I just it, it all goes to the point of, like, the cupboard is not bare for Gus Bradley when he walked in here. There are a lot of guys who can play, who can play at a high level. And now it's really up to him to kind of harness that and figure out, hey, how do we get this defense to being a quality NFL defense over the next six weeks? No, it's true. And that's the thing is I think the people that, that aren't here in Vegas, that aren't watching practice, you know, just taking, you know, for the national media in a sense, they're looking at it. They don't they look at the numbers. They don't see the guys that they have here. Like, there's a lot of talent on this defense. And I think that's why – what happened last year, it kind of made you scratch your head a bit to be like, what the heck is going on? So now you bring these guys back another year with another you know, set of guys coming in draft class, things like that to add to the depth. Like that's There's a lot to work with here. And now when you bring in Gus Bradley's system, which simplifies things, that's where you really let these guys shine and they let their athleticism show. First day of pads, two and a half hours in the beautiful desert heat. We're all sweating out there. I can't even imagine what these guys are going. My yeah. goodness. But Give me a guy stood out first day pads. We've talked a lot about you're going to learn about a lot about these new guys in the next couple of days. So who's a guy that you saw day one of pads? You're like, all right, circle him on the uh, on the old roster. Yeah, to be honest, there were a couple guys that I was looking for, but and this oh, is one that's going to no. surprise me. But Rugs was the one that stood out the most in pads simply because he had a nice day. Yeah, great um, day. He really did. Other than that, though, again, you know, Max, he's that guy that's got the motor that is going to go like there in pads even when they're not. 
but I saw him make a couple of plays. You could tell he was a little more juiced up. And Gakwe, too, he was getting a little yeah. feisty towards the end when they were in team. So those were like three guys that really stood out. But I never thought like Ruggs would be the guy that I first mentioned when they throw on the pads. And we're going to dive into Henry Ruggs and the Derek Carr connection in just a second. But when I looked at the first day of pads, and it's become a constant theme over the first week, Colton Miller, I thought, once again, looked really, really good. Yeah. And we've talked about it before, not going to be overly flashy, not going to be super sexy out there, but he has been so solid. And he was just like that again today when the pads came on. And you watch him in one-on-ones. He is not going to get beat no. very often. So I think he was a guy that really stood out. You brought up Unique at the end of practice who had that great kind of show of emotion. He did. Flexing on whatever poor guy tried to get yeah. his way. But he, I thought he looked incredible day one. Max, another guy as well where, you know, you see, and you, you said it perfectly, he's going to bring the juice regardless of Always. if the pads are on, if the pads aren't on. But to see him kind of take that to another level, and I think that's what you need to see out of Max because Max now in year three, for all the incredible things that he's done, now you look at Max Crosby and you're like, look, give me the 10 sacks every year, but you got to be a leader of the team. you got to set the tone for this defensive line. And I think, yes, I know it was only one day, but it feels like he's really kind of diving into and embracing that role right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, from day one, he, he has to me. I mean, he's the guy you hear the loudest. He's the one that's going through drills first, and those are your leaders. The guys that go through the drills first are the guys you're looking to to lead that group, and he has done just that. And even said, they asked him on, on, on day one, one of the reporters asked him, and he said, yeah, I'm trying to take on more of that leadership role. And he said, I'm tired of waiting. I want to be the best version of Max Crosby that I can be. And part of that is being a leader. And all the guys, too, from that same draft class have said that they came in looking to really change the narrative of this team and of this organization. And so they've all taken on that big leadership role. And it feels like those year three guys, and I mean this in like the most respectful way possible, it seems like they're growing up. Yeah. Right? I mean, John Abram, I think, has set a different tone this year. Yeah. Klee, Klee walked in about as mature as mature can be. Same with Josh Jacobs. Hunter Renfro, a guy who's just routinely gone about his business. Trayvon, I think, is a little bit more vocal now. You look at those guys that are now, you know, they're not the young kids anymore, right? No. Like, they're not the OGs just yet, but they are established NFL pros, and they're going to have to set the tone for what this team's going to be in 2021. Exactly. And you look at the the turnover in general, even two over the years from when Gruden's come in here, there's not a lot of guys from the previous regime. So that's where that first draft class, you know, that, that draft class from three years ago really does start to take on that leadership role and do that. And you mentioned the maturity of the group. That's massive for them. And just to continue to see that, Abrams, one of the guys you did mention with him, he just come in. We've talked about this before off the pod. He just seems more serious, locked in, like he is ready to roll. He understands that this is a big year for him and the team. Yeah, a thousand percent. And we talked switching to the other side of the ball. We were talking about Henry Ruggs and his day out there. And we saw, I, I had it at two. You might have grabbed one more that I didn't see, mm-hmm. but two deep connections between Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs. Yeah. And yes, I know it's just practice, but my goodness, you, you see what it could be, mm-hmm. what it can be. And, man, if these dudes can really get on the same page in 2021, my goodness, this offense is going to be fun to watch. It is. One of them was a deep post that he connected on. He ran all the way across the field. And, again, we've talked about it before. The dude just glides. Yeah, like, it looks so effortless. Runner. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and that, to me, has to be demoralizing if you're a DB, that the guy just looks like he's gliding and he's blowing past you. And multiple media members, other people that work for the team, I could hear everybody just go, whew, when they saw him running. One of the video guys, I, I could hear him. He was like, man, that dude is fast. Like, Everyone sees it and feels it, as Mayock said, you know, that speed you can feel. And so, so seeing Ruggs do that, that was like, man. And everybody ran over after as well, the whole offense, dapping it up and everything like that. So, like, you know he's a guy that they want to see eat. And, uh, you know, Waller wasn't at a practice today. It was a day off for him. So that's where you really did see him a lot more involved. The other one that he caught, it was a deep one. I think in it was either team or seven on. I can't remember. But, or no, it was, it was team because it probably would have been a sack if we're being completely honest. Sure. But 
Derek threw it up, let him make a play, and he went and got it. Yeah, and it's so funny, too, where you talked about Waller having the off day. And, you know, we're out there every day, and you, you know mm-hmm. you're counting the guys as he was there. And, they, oh, 83 is not here. Yeah. Thank goodness. Schedule's off day. We're oh, good. Yeah. Everyone exhale. Because, look, if you're seeing your guys out there and number 83 is not one of them, you're mm-hmm. like, what is, what's going on? But I think because of that, that a lot of other guys got chances today. I mean, there were a lot of passes that went to Henry Ruggs. I think Foster Moreau had a very nice day. And we'll talk yeah. about Foster in a little bit, too. But, man, when you look at Henry and Ruggs and Ruggs and Henry, I wonder – and I'm sure Derek will talk about this at some point, but I would love like the candid, like mm-hmm. actual answer of like, Derek, how much more comfortable are you with him now than you were a year ago? Yeah. Like, let's actually hear from you, you know? And you can definitely feel it. Because again, not having Waller there, you figure out who the second option is. Mm-hmm. And that was Ruggs. It felt like there was a very concerted effort to get the ball to Ruggs today. And I'd be shocked if Gruden didn't say, yeah, hey, he wasn't there. So we wanted to feed that man the rock. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, I wonder how that kind of manifests itself once we get to the, the regular season. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, I, I hope, dear God, I hope we don't see any of Derek for those three <laughs> preseason games. Let yeah. him out there, you know, have him go warm up, break a sweat, and then sit on the bench, yeah, Derek. Make look sure good every, in the jersey, that's yeah, all we need. look great. Do a few interviews, it'll be fantastic. Yep. But I wonder when we go from now and we look ahead to Monday Night Football, how much of this kind of carries over? Because in a perfect world, right, you're going to have Darren Waller out there. Exactly. You're going to have Henry out there. So how do we kind of make sure everyone's eating? Because in your opinion, is Henry the kind of guy that he needs to be fed and fed again? Or do you just take advantage of the six, seven times you're going to you know, try to take advantage of him in some type of way? Yeah, I think it's that, where you take advantage of him a couple times a game because he does have that game-breaking speed. You know, he was that dude at Alabama that would take a slant 70 yards to the house. And you look at his stat sheet at the end of the day, and he's got like 130 yards and like five catches, but one of them was for 70 yards. You know, that's where his bread and butter is. He's not that guy that needs, you know, the 10, 11, 12 catches, crazy numbers like that. I don't think he is that type of dude. And I think he understands that that's not necessarily the role that they're going to ask of him either. And I think one thing I'm really excited to see from Henry in 2021 is obviously have the advantage of a full offseason, have oh, yeah. the advantage of a full training camp, the preseason, yada, yada, yada. But I'm also really excited to see what John Gruden and Ole do just in terms of scheming the ball to him. Heck right? yeah. Because think about this now. You got Henry Ruggs. You got Josh. You got Kenyon Drake. You have a lot of guys that can be very multiple in the way they attack an offense. So I am just so fired up to see what Ole and Grudog are in the lab right now just constructing for this kid. That's the thing. We always talk about Gruden, you know, the mad scientist in the lab getting to work. Like, if there's anybody that can enjoy a real offseason to bring back a guy like Ruggs, it is 100% him. And so I, I'm fired up for that as well. You mentioned the different guys that they got. You've also got Foster Moreau in the mix. I mean, lots of mouths in here to feed um, I saw Brian Edwards today. He he dropped the deep pass, but like he was open. He he got it. He came down with. It. He just couldn't carry it all the way down to the ground. So like he's another guy that's a solid weapon in there. So again, the receiving core, and I'm including both Moreau and uh, Waller in that because they're all part of that group. Real interesting. And then again, you did note with Josh and Drake that other element. They're a lot more involved in the passing game so far throughout camp, and that's something that I think is going to be real interesting to watch moving forward. And look, no one's expecting perfection day yeah. one of pads, right? This is the time of year where you work all that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. This is the time of year you want your drops and yeah. your ball starts and all that kind of stuff. And I one thing that. I want to note, too, on that is that like when he dropped it, he was like visibly mad. And that's the thing is you want to see that in practice. You want to see that like fire to him. So I, I take it as a positive is that 
he he still wants it right now. We're what August third, and he acted like he just dropped a game-winning touchdown pass. Like that's good. That's what I want to see out of my guy. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like the mindset you want, the philosophy you want for all your guys. Yeah. from one to ninety. I don't care if you're a receiver, a tight end, a mm-hmm. defensive tackle, whatever it is. You are aiming for perfection. And yeah. like I said, there's no one here in ah. this building who thinks it's going to be perfect on August, like you said, August third. Yeah. But all the same, that's the mindset you want heading into it. And you briefly touched on Foster, and and you and I were talking before we hit go on the uh, on the old recording machine there. And I think one thing that's really stood out to me over the first, gosh, I can't believe it's already been a week. I know. Camp, is the depth of this tight end room. I mean, frankly, it's incredible. I yeah. Mean, you look at Darren. Darren is an all-world everything, right? For my money, Darren is the best tight end in the NFL. You can say otherwise, but I think he is. He's and that dude. You look at Foster now. Foster, who has come back looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger circa like 1992. <laughs> the man looks incredible. He's noticeably bigger. Mm-hmm. He's faster. He's stronger. And you look at him, he, he's very much the traditional tight end, where Darren is this new age hybrid. I don't even really know how you can categorize what he does, just yeah. all world everything. But then another guy who has stuck out to me, and I know we're very early on, is Matt Bushman. I thought Matt Bushman has had a few really nice days. Yeah. And he is not perfect. He's a young guy who's trying to figure it out. But you look at him, Derek Carrier now, like this is a really good room top to bottom. Yeah, well, we, we mentioned no Waller today, but we actually did see Gruden go with a couple three tight end sets, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was like, ooh, okay, we get to see some of the beef down here. Uh, and that was fun to watch. I definitely, I like what I've seen from Foster so far. Like you said, comes back and just looks like a much bigger dude. I mean, he was already a big guy, but I think we forget his rookie year, like how solid he was in terms of coming down with touchdowns. You know, it seemed like, Every other catch, I, I don't have his stats or anything like that. But I'll pull him up yeah, for you, sir. I can see you working on the computer, yeah. But uh, So that was the thing is it seemed like that guy just always came down with TDs, and so he's got a knack for that in the red zone. And you pair him with a healthy Waller, and, man, that's going to be an interesting combo. But then you mentioned the other guys in that tight end room. It's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. But I think we all know that Carrier is going to be that third guy, and he's that dude that can do anything and everything on special teams and will come in and fill in nicely adding some great depth. I mean, he is a solid number two tight end on any other team. 21 receptions as a rookie for Foster. Five touchdowns. See? I mean, that's a heck of a ratio. Only in 13 games, too. He missed those final three. And that's as a rook. I mean, that's the thing is now you have two years under your belt after that and working with Jason Witten last year as well. I mean, what he's learned from him, I'm really excited to see that guy this year. And like you say, you talk about the three tight end sets and, you know, what you can do now, once again, if you're Ole and Gruden, like, you can get beyond creative there. I mean, Darren, I think, to his credit, is a very underrated blocker. Yeah. I think it's something that, and we've talked to him about before, where he takes a lot of pride in it. And obviously mm-hmm. he knows, and he'll never say it, that he's going to win 99 out of 100 one-on-one battles with a linebacker, a corner, a yeah. safety, whoever, whoever it is. But I think that he's really worked on that other part of his game. Like, look, I'm a complete tight end. Yes, I know I'm going to have 17,000 yards when all is said and done, but... I'm really good at blocking, too. So it's exciting to see, especially when you get in the red zone, when you need those two yards, when it's third and one, and you need to get that first down, what Gruden's going to be able to do with those big boys up front. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Waller working on the pass block or the run blocking and everything like that. You know, I, I've seen him a lot of times when, you know, the tight ends aren't involved in drills and stuff like that, working with the coaches, working on his footwork, things like that, making sure his hands and feet are in the right place. So, like, clearly that is something he's placing a big emphasis on. And, I mean, you got a guy who is just an offensive weapon. Forget giving him tight end, receiver, whatever the heck you want to call him. The guy is just a weapon. But then he adds that into his arsenal. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch to see when his game is complete like that. You know, and, look, we don't know what it's like to call a game, you know, but I could only imagine the options. You know, we, we heard that they threw in 400 plays in two days. I mean, I'd imagine there's thousands of plays and thousands of personnel groupings and stuff that you could throw out there. 
I mean, that's where the mad scientist Gruden comes into play because there are so many options. I mean, again, we, we talked about Drake and Josh Jacobs. That's an interesting combo to see both of them out there. We've seen some sets with, with them out there. You throw in the tight ends. You throw in all the receivers and the depth that you have. I mean, there's John Brown and Willie Sneed, two yeah, guys who we, that are— we barely even talked yeah, about. Yeah, like depth guys. I mean, so that's where, again, I think as a whole, both offensively and defensively, this Raiders team, the depth stands out so much, especially when you're at practice where you'll see them cycling through groups, and you're like, one, you're like, are these the ones or the twos? They're giving everybody reps, but it seems as though these are all guys that they trust and can get out there with different personnel groupings. So it's going to be like very interesting to see that as camp develops. And that's really any good team in the NFL. you got to have depth, right? Like 100%. Everyone feels great about the first 22 guys they have on the roster. But you and I both know, come November, come yeah. December, you need to be able to go 1-53. to And it's just the reality of this game where people get banged up, someone's going to miss a game because they sprained an ankle, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. you got to feel as good with Darren Waller as you do about Derek Carrier and the guy on the practice squad that you know you can pull up in an emergency situation. And that's just the reality uh, of the NFL in 2021. And we've talked so much about the offense for good reason. Everyone likes scoring points yeah. and touchdowns and all that stuff. But let's shift to the defense. Mm-hmm. Earlier today, actually about an hour ago, we talked with our friend Nick Kwiatkowski, who has had a really nice start to training camp as well. Picks in back-to-back days now. Uh, a, a guy who kind of, I don't want to say under the radar, but definitely not your big rah-rah kind of guy, but a dude who is just as solid as solid can be, and he was very generous with his time. We talked about the Vegas weather. We talked about yeah. his very interesting fashion choice of practicing <laughs> in full sweatpants. We break it all down. So we thank Nick and uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Nick Kwiatkowski. And we're very excited to welcome in Nick Kwiatkowski to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. And Nick, huge day in the building, exciting day for Jesse and I, exciting day for you. The pads came on. So in terms of day one pads in the books, how excited were you guys collectively just to get, you know, kind of ramped up even more throughout training camp? Uh, it's a day we've been looking forward to since the start of camp. I mean, it's kind of one of those days that's circled when we start camp. It's really the first day real football happens. You know, you get the, uh, get the pads on and really get the, get the hitting people. And uh, we were talking before, too, Nick, before we got this thing going. You said it's been a long time since you put the pads on. Is there kind of working out some of the kinks, kind of feeling out period for you guys? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first day, I mean, there's definitely some things, you know, hand placement, just things getting off blocks for me. I mean, tackling, things like that. You just kind of got, got to get back into you know, we, we were talking right before we started rolling, too, and, and it kind of clicked for me. I was like, oh, man, you guys haven't worn pads since, gosh, early January. Crazy. So when you wake up tomorrow, like, do you feel a different kind of sore after hitting someone for the first time in eight months? Um, You know, I hope not. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's used, I mean, it definitely does take some time to get back into it, some soreness, work some things out. But, I mean, that's what we're here for. That's what training camp's for. Yeah, that's awesome. And, again, you know, training camp, you guys are figuring it out. you got the new defense with Coach Bradley. We've heard a lot about him. For you, like, what's your perspective about what it's like playing for a guy like him and, you know, how are maybe things different on that side of the ball? I um, mean, he's definitely bringing the energy every day. Um, you know, just his presence around the defense, I mean, it's definitely coming into the building. It's a, it's a bright spot. I mean, out in the field, his energy, his, you know, his play calling, just everything about him. I mean, it's a, it's a very positive outlook, and it's, it's, it's fun to play for. You know, you look at this defense now, and there's going to be so many, I guess, new things, new wrinkles in 2021. But in terms of that linebacking core, you look at you, Nick Morrow, Corey, all guys that have been there now going into year two together, how valuable is it just have those other guys in the room to be able to bounce things off of, especially as we kind of gear up now through the preseason and, and week one eventually? Yeah, it's definitely something, you know, we look forward to working together. It's something that, you know, just having a year under our belt together helps us kind of uh, understand each other, how, how to play uh, off each other. And just like you said, bounce things off each other. Um, game plan wise, you know, if you we all may see something differently, just you know, just having this conversation goes a long way. 
One guy I've seen you getting a lot of work with is Javen White. Uh, talk to me about him. How has he kind of come back different? I mean, many ways. Mentally, physically, I, I got an opportunity to train with him really mostly offseason. I mean, he's been working, um, added weight. You know, he's been in, in, in the playbook. So, I mean, definitely just took a big step from his rookie year to this year. You know, and, and just speaking about those rookies in general, Nick, I mean, is it how – I guess can you kind of put into words how hard it would be for those guys to come into a season like last year, right? No offseason program, really no tra- – you know, you're, and then you're just playing into week one. How valuable is it for those young guys to have a real training camp, to have had the offseason program, and to really kind of ramp up through into the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely – I've told them. I give them a lot of credit going through last year as a rookie. I mean, I look back to my rookie year, and, I mean, I don't know how they did it, um, you know. But it just absolutely coming into a new system this year, it's kind of really – I mean, this is a, a rookie year for a lot of people that even was here last year because training camp so much different. It's a new system. Um, there's a lot of different things. Um, but overall, I mean, they've, they've handled it great, um, and they've come a long way. And I'm curious too, Nick, you know, the new system you mentioned, how does your role as the linebacker in this one kind of change a bit with this new system with Gus in town? Um, there's some similarities from last year. Um, but really, I mean, it's just about acting fast, you know, see ball and, you know, breaking on the ball. Um, a lot of just – I mean, without giving too much stuff away, it's uh, it's really just fast reaction defense. I mean, you talk about seeing the ball and getting the ball. I mean, this is now back-to-back days for you with an interception. I mean, you look like a DB out there, man. we got to get it. you a different number. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm having fun out there. How, how important, or I guess, how rewarding is that exciting to, like, get your hands on a couple of, you know, footballs in this early part of camp, especially when the pads come on? Oh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, as a defense, I mean, that's what you strive for, getting turnovers, uh, getting the ball back into your offense's hands. So, I mean, anytime that happens, I mean, it's an exciting time. Yeah, you definitely feel it. I'm curious too, man, just away from the field. I mean, now that you've been out in Vegas for a while, and obviously the world isn't 100% back to normal, but for you, like, what's life in Vegas been like? How have you kind of been able to take advantage of that? Um, You know, just, I mean, for me, I mean, being from, you know, Pittsburgh, I mean, it's, the weather's everything for me out here. I, mean, <laughs> I spent, you know, the, the what I would call winter back home here, and I mean, it's, it was beautiful. Um, definitely got to travel around, like, outside of Vegas, um, but I'm loving it so far. I'm really enjoying it. All right, just wrapping up here with Nick Lukaski. Nick, I got to ask you, I was thinking today, because this is a very hard-hitting podcast. Jesse and I are very, you know, oh, yeah. we're very serious guys. Big J journalism. But, but I was looking out there, and I don't know how you and Abram go through practice in full sweatpants. <laughs> like, it's, it's like 100, it's 100 degrees already. How do you do that? You're a madman. Honestly, I, I don't know. It's something that I've done. For probably, <laughs> I've worn sweatpants in practice for years now. So, I mean, it's just something that, you know, once I get going, I don't even, I don't even notice. Fair enough. Well, hey, Nick, I appreciate the time, man. I know this is an incredibly busy portion of the year for you, so we thank you for hanging out with us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I promise you one day we'll actually get you in this studio and we can do this in real life. How about that? Sounds good. I appreciate you guys having me. The $10 Tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings, just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply. And Nick Likowski, just good dude. On if we're looking at like the good dude team, I think Nick Likowski definitely has a spot on that Mount Rushmore. But but Jesse, I think we've talked about a lot of stuff on the field, and we're going to mm-hmm. dive back into that in just a second. But one thing I want to get to before we return to everything that we saw between the hash marks, alumni day, for yeah. the silver and black here at practice, very very cool. Saw some friendly faces. Saw my man Donald Penn back in the house. Frosty Rucker came and said what's up. <laughs> and it's just one thing I, I love about being here, especially this time of the year, mm-hmm. is that you get to see all these friendly faces and. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I think that you look 
And, and I feel like the Raiders do a better job of anyone else in the NFL keeping our guys in the mix and having days like today where the alumni can come out and I think the current players get fired up. I know Gruden was very fired up, and it's just a cool deal all around. It really is. And look, like, like you said, you don't want to pat yourself on, on the back. I will for you oh, guys. Oh, thank I don't you. See, I knew like, we brought you in for yeah, a reason. Right? Yeah, that's why I'm here. But no, I mean, I've covered a lot of different teams at different levels, whether it's college, NFL, you know, NBA, WNBA, all that stuff. I've been around. You guys do it better than any other team that I have been around in terms of bringing the former players into the fold. And I've noticed it even with the Aces, with Mark Davis as well, starting the Alumni Association. So, like, that's one of the things that I enjoy with the Raiders so much is it really does feel like a family. They bring those guys back. And I love the once a Raider, always a Raider. Like, that's awesome. And it's not just, like, words. Like, there's action behind that, and I love to see that. And, and it was really cool talking to – so I spent most of my morning with Frosty and Donald mm-hmm. today because those are the two of the guys that were here kind of recently that I obviously have a relationship with. And I was talking to Frosty about coming in, and he was like, oh, man. He goes, it's just – it's so fun to be here. Like, it feels so nice to be here. And he goes, yeah. and they took care of us. You know, brought us out here all nice. You know, we go to dinner, this and that. And you can just tell how much it means to these guys too because I feel like – and I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but it, it feels like sometimes that – Players retire from whatever team, whatever league, and then you don't hear from them again. Yeah. And think about this. They're like 33, 34, <laughs> and they have like hopefully another 60, 70 years left. So it's, it's really cool that these guys come back in the mix. Uh, and like I said, I know John was really fired up. I was joking with one of the, uh, one of the reporters, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, I bet you Gruden's going to come over and, and, you know, and say hello. And, and he did just that, man. And you just yeah. see his eyes get so big because I think it means so much to him to have the other guys, the older guys, back in the mix as well. I think it does. He's that guy that, you know, he understands what it means to be a Raider and the legacy and the history of this organization. So I think he appreciates it even more. And also, you noted the fact that, like, these guys are in their 30s or so yeah. when they retire. And they're still longing for that, like, feeling like it's a team and stuff like that. So, like, that's big just for the mental health of a lot of these people as well to still feel like they're a part of something, you know? When you're when you're done playing a sport, you lose that aspect of it. And again, just having the guys here and doing that, I mean, the NFL and pro sports in general are a business, but it feels a lot less like a business when you see that family type atmosphere. And I think one thing before we move on that just makes me smile too is I was like I said talking to our beat reporters today, and you see all these alumni come in from all different generations, you know, that have retired, like Donnelly, literally six months ago, yeah. or Frosty two years ago, or Usama Young five years ago, but guys at Jim Otto, you know, you see all these guys coming in. And the one thing that makes me smile is that they all say hi to Bob Romanski, our equipment guy, <laughs> because Bob has been here for so long. And they're like, and I was I was joking, I was like, man, it's just it's so like so cool to see that that Bob has touched so many people, his his impact here, his you know, generational impact oh, is yeah. pretty cool to see. That so. is that's the thing I remember from my college days, like our equipment guy was the same way. Yeah. He's he's been there forever. He's outlived everyone, yeah. coaches, you <laughs> name it. So like those are the guys that everyone like loves and respects. And at the end of the day, like they do the dirty work and make your life so much easier as a player. You know, you have a lot of respect for those guys, you know, and what they do. And that's cool to see them do that. Shout out to all my equipment guys out there. You know who you are. Uh, Shifting, let's talk a little special teams. Because you know I got to. It's always on the rundown. We saw a chance today to see a little more special teams actions. We saw the Gunners out there. Uh, We have Zay and Nevin right now Mm -hmm. going as the Gunners. Make sense to you? It does. I mean, again, Zay, we we chatted it up with him the other day. Gruden talked about that he's the best conditioned athlete on the team. You got a guy like him who's got the speed, the wiggle to get off the line. I, I like that one for sure. And then Levin Lawson, Le- Nevin Lawson, easy. That's a tough to one too. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough and, one. And uh, you know, he's the one, obviously, like a wily vet that knows what, he, what he's doing out there. I mean, I, I like the combo of both of them, and he's got a little like spiciness to his mm-hmm. game too. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch both of those guys do their thing out there. And we've talked about you got to have a little edge to you. You got to have yeah. a little crazy in you to play teams. Yeah, and I think Nevin and Zay also mm-hmm. kind of have that. 
that mark to both of them, right? Where you look at Zay and he's a freak athlete. Yeah. Right? So you want him running down there. Nevin, the same kind of deal. But both guys that want it, right? Like mm-hmm. guys that are not going to stray away from contact. Guys are going to say, hey, I got to get you. I'm going to figure out a way to do it, but I will beat you to this point and I will get that, uh, get that tackle on hopefully very deep in, in opposing territory. But like we said, first day of pads, yeah. exciting day. Not a perfect day, though, and yeah. no one anticipated to. I think a few things that I had marked down, Jesse, were uh, Alex Leatherwood, a couple false stars today. But to be expected, yeah, it right? happens. I mean, it happens. He's a young guy, and, and I think that we were talking earlier that I think his response, like you were saying that he's built in such a way that these moments are going to stick with him, but they're going to stick with him in a good way. They are, yeah. Look, I mean, he's, he's Bama built, going back to one of my former TV markets where I worked out there with him, and, and He's that guy that that's not going to phase him, you know, and he, he has such that business-like approach to where if he messes up, he's going to internalize it, and he's going to fix the problem. I mean, look, at the end of the day, this is a guy that's got a lot of experience. I mean, he took a ton of snaps at Alabama, did it all across the line, so you don't worry about a guy like that making those mistakes. It's going to happen. There's going to be off days, and you want to see that. Again, we talked about it earlier. You want that to happen on August 3rd. You want to have those miscues and things like that because as you continue to drill and learn and grow, it's those mistakes that you learn from the most, I think. Yeah, and I think that having Derek Carr behind him is the best possible thing that he could have, any young lineman really could have because when you think of accountability and responsibility and whatever other mature adjective you can come up with, that's Derek Carr. So I think Derek is built in such a way that he's going to be like, hey, we got to get better. But I believe in you mm-hmm. that this is going to be better. And like you said, let's have this, you know, have this miscue on August 3rd, not December 18th when, we're, when our, you know, we're kind of playing for our playoff lives. Exactly. And look, the name of the game, like you don't want to tear people down, tear Certainly rooks not. down and things like that when they're learning. I mean, look, there was a point where they installed 400 plays in two days yeah. and I didn't mess up. So, I mean, you know, you want to make sure that he's human, that you didn't get a robot, you know, as a whole. I, yeah, having a guy like Derek back there who's not going to rip you to pieces. You know, Gruden will get on you. <laughs> we, we've heard him plenty of times. But it's always in a respective manner, I believe, when I've noticed it. And again, having Carr, that dude is going to let you know you messed up and then show you, hey, this is how we fix it. Absolutely. Last one before we get out of here. Got crowd noise today. For yeah. The first time, which was awesome. Uh-huh. So we had the final period, little crowd noise action. And it just felt, it felt fun, man. It felt normal. I, like, I know the energy was already kind of ratcheted up because of the first day in pads. But you throw that on. Shout out to my guy, DJ Daniel, for making sure yeah. that the crowd noise was at an appropriate decibel as well. <laughs> but I mean, that's... It just felt fun. It was a great way, I thought, to end practice today. It did. And we mentioned the juice that a guy like Max brings. Well, he was jumping up and down when they got the crowd yeah, noise going. Yeah, asking for noise. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yep. And like, I, I felt it, too. I just felt that it was like, okay, it's different. Like, obviously, you hear it, but you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, you can feel that the practice, this, this drill, this period is going to be a lot more intense. That was when we saw Unique kind of get into it a little bit as well and, and show the feistiness. So, like, you can tell it, like, kind of boils up in the players when they hear that because you get into that mode and, look, there's the excitement of you were over at the Gold Cup final. You get to see fans inside Allegiant Stadium mm-hmm. for the first time. I mean, like, that buildup to it. We were talking to Hunter yesterday, and he said, like, he cannot wait because he also noted that, like, the Golden Knights game was one of the best sports atmospheres he's ever been to. Like, this city, these players, everyone cannot wait to get inside that place and get that feeling of it. So that definitely did it for me today, too. Oh, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I think there's such an emotional, just a human element to all Mm -hmm. that, too, right? Where if you're a guy like Yannick, Solomon Thomas, Max, whatever it is, one of those big dogs on the defensive line, you need that juice, right? Like, you want that. You want the stadium to be rocking. You want the crowd to be going crazy and say, hey— Pat Mahomes, it's third and seven, game's on the line. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Game on. That's the thing. At the end of the day, like, those are the moments the guys dream about. Look, 
It's not like they're sitting there dreaming about practice or anything. Like, we're going to bust out an Allen Iverson reference here, you know? I mean, like, nobody's sitting there dreaming about that stuff. It's that moment, again, game on the line. The fans are going wild. You can't barely hear yourself think. And I'm even getting chills even saying that right now. So, like, those are those moments that, like, we all just can't wait. And I think that's where, again, our world is inching back to normalcy. And we've had some setbacks and stuff. But those are the moments where it's like, okay, you don't have to worry about anything. That's where sports is really your escape. I think, I think we're getting close to that. I do too. And speaking of an escape, it's time for us to escape this beautiful podcast studio. I yep. know you and I have a lot, of, a lot of work to do today. So we will be back on Friday, player off day Thursday, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they are very, very excited about <laughs> after having a couple of practices and pads. But we will be back at the end of the week. So for Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, our guest this week, Nick Kwiatkowski, our pal Alexander behind the glass, my man Ray on the ones and twos, and everyone else at Silver and Black Productions who helps to get our little program from A to Z. We thank you deeply, humbly, and oh so sincerely. And we will catch you guys, like I said, uh, at the tail end of the week for episode four. I can't believe it. Episode four. Going the, quick. I know. We haven't gotten canceled yet. That's great. Hey, We're still trucking good. along, baby. I love it. Lights staying on. Uh, Exactly. The lights stay on for now for another episode (laughs) of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network. 